It's Thursday. Today is Thursday. I've brought you the greatest gift of all. Oh, yeah? Well, in that case... Entertain me! It's showtime. Make use of the help that God puts around you. We are not a glum lot. A promise is a promise. It's very simple. Just don't drink and go to meetings. Give time, time. Easy does it. I do it. Want to have self-esteem? Just do esteemable things. One day at a time. We carry the message, not the alcoholic. Don't quit before the miracle happens! We're the defective characters. Three guys sitting around talking about our personal experience in recovery. Hey, I'm Mike. Hi, I'm Dennis. Oh, I'm Dennis. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Guys, it's only been seven days and we already forgot how to start this. Sorry, I was looking at like who's going to move this Christmas tree out. It's like starting to die and like yeah. I don't want to move the Christmas tree out. It's never been watered. Well, it's a studio. We're only here when we're working, so. That's, that's a good thing. Okay, the opinions are our own. <laughs> we don't represent any particular organization, institution, or fellowship today. We're sharing our own experiences with powerlessness in this episode 18 of the Defective Characters Podcast. Let's go. Woohoo. All Not right. It. Yeah, what was it? Not it. Hi, I'm James. I'm Dennis. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're restarting from the beginning. Uh, so I, I wanted to, uh, to get started. Uh, gentlemen, 16 days into the new year, those uh, recovery plans for the new year, how are they going? Fine. All fine here. How are you? Mine are kind of all right. I've, I've greeted a couple of people. Yeah. I was going to say, James said he's all right, because can you remember what the recovery plans that you made? That wasn't in the script. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so uh, Dennis kind of uh, jumped on the, the same idea that I had about step 12 and kind of focusing on uh, the newcomer and making sure that if there was somebody new or visiting, I guess particularly new that was actually like living around here, that we just like shook their hand. I did meet a couple people not from here, but there weren't as many newcomers. Were you guys surprised? There weren't as many people yeah. that made a New Year's resolution that they were going to stop drinking for yeah, the new year. Not so much. I think like us personally, our group, we have like a few newcomers that are around that have kind of been absorbed into our group. So like I've spent a lot of time with newcomers in the last like over the holidays and in this year and stuff. So what do you think they have to work on? Uh, <laughs> no, that's I cannot discuss their business. Sorry. <laughs> See, that was the test. That was the test. You passed. Yeah. Uh, I owe you five bucks, James. I, I would not. Uh, well, we, we go to a meeting at 8 a.m. So we see people there who are pretty much retired or they work later in the day. Uh, we don't see a lot of newcomers uh, because... Even though they might have stopped drinking, they still can't wake up that early yet. That comes in time. Yeah. <laughs> That's my assessment. That'll I go to a night meeting as well, and we do typically get more newcomers there. But we get some newcomers in, in the morning, but it tends to be on the more retired environment because they're used to those hours and stuff. People on vacation and snowbirds. Snowbirds, lots of snowbirds. But visitors are great too. We get visitor newcomers and that's always a joy because it allows them to like come to a new place where they're scared and they walk right into a room and all of a sudden they're like, oh wow, this is just at home. And it, it helps them through their vacation. So I always like to see newcomers that are visiting yeah uh, well and it's a good thing too 
Uh, I feel like that happens a lot because if they grab a sponsor off the bat, usually that's a suggestion of, oh, you're going out of town. Okay, what's your recovery plan? Yeah. Like, you know, where are their meetings and everything else? Um, there's another podcast that I am a part of, and there was one of the uh, people that call in. I, I usually try to call in every week a recovery uh, podcast called Recovered Cast that's out of uh, the Michigan area, and they uh, knew my information, sent me an email, and said, hey, I'm coming to Celebration. And I referred to them to the meetings. We weren't able to meet up, but uh, they went to one, I think it was, uh, what, two weeks ago. So it's just after the, the, uh, the new year. And we're there. You guys might have met him. I forgot to Clyde. Did, was there a Clyde that stopped through? When you guys were at that meeting? Anonymity, man. Can't tell you. <laughs> I'm going to guess no. <laughs> I don't remember. I don't know. Yeah. I, I so, don't. But I think that's cool that, that people can uh, communicate and make sure that if you're on vacation that you hit a meeting. And uh, I think when choosing a topic, we were looking at, uh, you know, what makes sure that people actually have a recovery program. And for me, powerlessness I think, uh, and what does it say in the big book? Powerlessness is, uh, is lack of power is our dilemma. Um, and kind of turning it over and how important uh, that that is. So I wanted to start, maybe I can send it your way, Dennis. What does powerlessness mean to you? Oh, wow, okay. Deep questions in the morning. Um, what does powerless mean to me? Yeah, powerlessness. I think like... You know, I can only relate it to my own experience in like towards the end of my drinking and drugging career before I came into the rooms, like I was powerless in this sense that like, you know, I was like couch ridden and house ridden. You know what I'm saying? I didn't have that internal power to like motivate me or move me to get up and like do anything. You know, I was like, you know, over the course of my like career like uh pursuing my career in the last 10 years or my dream jobs and stuff like i always seem to like have like a failure after another and then like whenever i have something bad happening or something doesn't go my way i tend to sink and i start drowning and i know and it like weighs on me and it's an absolute powerless you know i feel helpless i feel worthless i feel like I can't do anything, which just self-perpetuates my behavior and my actions to where I don't do anything. And then it enhances that feeling. So that's me. It, it, like my powerlessness is centered in my ability to just function or l move forward or be productive or be, you know, that kind of stuff. James? Power Powerlessness. What does that mean to you? Well, I liked what you said about lack of powers or dilemma. I remember, you know, in and out of the rooms, I, I never really understood what that meant. I was like, no, alcohol was my dilemma. Drugs was my dilemma. But it says right in the big book, lack of powers or dilemma. It, it took a while for me to finally get that. Um, what it means to me is that at the end of my drinking and drugging, um, I could not you know, go anywhere without having something in my body. I would be out in front of the liquor store at 7 a.m. waiting for it to open just so I can get 
something inside me. And as soon as I walked outside the door, I'd be drinking it in the parking lot. Um, cause I was powerless. I was, um, I was so sick in my addiction that I would do anything to anyone to get what I wanted. And I didn't care. I was completely helpless and powerless over drugs and alcohol. That's what it meant to me. Um, today powerless means that I am in control of my life, but there's a higher power that's guiding me and showing me the way who is the ultimate power so in a sense I've taken this powerlessness over drugs and alcohol I've replaced drugs and alcohol with a God of my understanding and I think that's where I'm at today and I'm just learning slowly you know and growing along spiritual lines yeah there's uh I think it's I think it's funny that uh, like a lot of people, I don't want to say everybody because, you know, people are different uh, in the program and in the rooms. But the majority of us, at least that 51%, didn't have, uh, you know, God to their understanding at all before they came into the rooms. And I didn't realize, I think it was probably the last, I don't know, maybe the last five years of my drinking that I realized that I had a problem. And I just shared it with some of my loved ones because, uh, uh, you know, one person close to me is going through a really tough time. And I said, yeah, I, I knew that I was I had a problem with alcohol and I couldn't turn it off for the last five years. And they're like, really? But you denied it whenever anybody would bring it up to you. And that was because of my extreme fear that I was going to be thought less of for not drinking you know, um, and seemed like I was weak and that I had a problem. And no matter what I would do, I remember there was times where I would uh, say, I'm not going to drink tonight. Nope, not going to do it. And then something in my head would come and it's like, yeah, but this person really did you wrong today. You know, you deserve a drink because of this and certain things and then I would be like you know what well if that light up there if that light turns green before I hit it then I'll take a left hand turn and I'll go to the liquor store and I'll do that and then I would find myself like easing off the gas you know <laughs> so that way I would actually like hit it or accelerate and just uh because I couldn't I couldn't get through life and it wasn't until that I was actually able to realize that you know there's uh, something more powerful than me that's actually guiding me and to kind of stay out of the way that uh, that allowed me to do it um, maybe I can send this to you uh, Dennis as far as when you were still out there uh, drinking did you try to set uh, I guess boundaries of like okay I'm not going to to drink or like put limits on it and yeah, taper yeah. off your drinking how'd that go yeah absolutely I think like you know, the first sign, like over the course of my career, drinking career, I would like, I played the substitution game for years where like, okay, I'll quit this substance, but then I'm doing this substance more. And it was swapping off. Uh, towards the end, it was like going back and forth from smoking pot and drinking alcohol, smoking pot, drinking alcohol. Um, once like things got bad enough and I realized like I need to like stop, I need to like actually be sober at some point 
hours of the day, not just on one thing or another. Like maybe the last like two years or year or so, I said I'd only drink on my birthday. Like in the book, it talks about if you if you're questioning if you're an alcoholic or whatever, then go do this test. Drink for like go to a bar and drink one drink and see if you can leave it at that. So maybe for the last year or two, I actually did that where I would like, I drank on my birthday and I drank on New Year's. And I think maybe like two times or so, I, I did it where I would drink one glass of wine and I'd put it down and I'd hang out with everyone. I'd sip on it and like just hang out and everything. You know, I did it. I drank. The only problem is, is that I was miserable like that whole time it was a fight to drink it wasn't like oh i drank that wine and enjoyed the evening or whatever it's like i was focused on not drinking more than that then eventually like one new year's i was like you know fuck it i can do it like whatever and then i sorry for cursing um and then i uh then i just drank how i normally drink and then i was like hung over for for a while after that and I think that was probably my last drink was that that New Year's but. James you ever try to limit your uh, your drink or your drug how'd that go me personally I didn't really I just did whatever I wanted but other people would definitely try to limit me and I would give, give in to them and I would say sure sure whatever you want um, and then eventually end up doing whatever I want which caused fights I remember um Towards the end, I was going to um, uh, casinos a lot, and I'd always get a, a big gulp cup, fill it with alcohol, and go into the casino and drink. And I knew that I could have two of these cups filled with drinks, and I knew that if I had three shots of whiskey, I would be okay. But I knew also that if I had more than three shots of whiskey, that I would just be instantly transported to getting on the phone, calling my drug dealer, and wanting harder drugs, and I wanted to keep the party going all night. And every single time as I, I would buy the amount, I'd find myself back at the bar getting more. And every single time, and I, at the end of the day, I'd be like, broke, no money, beating myself up, like, why did I do that? I know that if I have this amount of alcohol, I'd be fine. Why did I do that? And it, I just couldn't, I couldn't stop myself. No matter what I tried, I couldn't do it. Yeah, I, I think a lot of us run into times where even, even if it's just, you know, going out one night and saying, no, I'm only going to have two drinks and then it not turning into it. It's uh, that's that's a common occurrence in the alcoholic. And I would uh, towards the end, I would say pretty much the last six months, I knew that something had to taper off. There was a place that um, the last year, year and a half of my drinking I would uh, get as many tall boys as I could at the uh, grocery store. There was a market that was only a mile from my house, and I would sit in the parking lot with usually about like four tall boys, and they were the ice beers, so they had higher percent alcohol per volume, and they were cheaper, so I could say, oh, yeah, no, I, I went and got lunch there, and I could lie to my loved ones about that, and... Uh, would drink them as fast as possible and then go home because I knew that I was only allowed to have one or two drinks a night. And the only way I could have only one or two drinks a night is already having like 12 beers in me. So then it wouldn't be one or two drinks a night. But for me, it would be like, well, I did actually only have one or two drinks at night. I just drank a lot at one or two in the afternoon. 
uh, when I got off work instead. And that wasn't, uh, that wasn't working for me anymore. And I found myself just like breaking down at weird spots without any alcohol in me where I would just be like crying and sobbing. And my wife would be like, what's wrong with you? And I said, you know, I th just think I'm depressed. I think I need to pick up meds to, to help with that. And I didn't want to go talk to somebody about it. So I went to GNC. Uh, and tried to see if there was anything I could just pick up that would probably like help me. And I looked at the bottom of the, 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 the back of the bottles and they all said, do not consume alcohol while taking. And I'm like, well, mm -hmm. like that's, that's not going to work. That's a little extreme. And yeah, <laughs> like who, who are they to put that on me? Right. Um, so I didn't end up going that route, thankfully. But I kept setting markers. Like before I, uh, I found my wife and started dating her, I said, you know what? I'm just drinking like this because I don't have anybody else. And then I found her. And that didn't stop me. You know, I would always find myself like if I was making dinner and we were missing an ingredient, I would be like, oh, I'll just run to the store right now. And I would do that so that way on the way from the store home, I could pound one or two beers and then throw the cans out the window as I was driving. And then I would get home or I would, um, you know, just always, oh, when I get married, I'm not going to drink like that. And then I got married and the same thing happened, you know, so much so that even my wedding day, I had to start drinking at 8 a.m. to, uh, you know, I convinced everybody else it was a good idea. Uh, so everybody there drank and my father was like oh no what's gonna happen everybody's drinking nobody's eating so he felt the need to buy a bunch of breakfast for everybody because we're sitting there just ham hammered before the wedding at one o'clock starting to drink at 8 a.m as we're getting dressed and all these things and I would always set these markers okay now I'm gonna stop drinking and I just couldn't I couldn't do it and I'm glad that I hit my bottom when I did because I know that I never would have there never would have been a taper off point where it would have been like, okay, I can actually only have one and be fine uh, because I didn't have that, that powerlessness uh, that we were talking about. I, I didn't have the definition of it, you know? Yeah. Um, I guess when it comes to that, that powerless feeling, Dennis, uh, like how did you finally admit that you were powerless over alcohol? Were you in the program when that happened? Um no, I think it was before I was in the program because, like, you know, like I said in my story on episode two or whatever, um, I was in such a bad situation where I thought I was dying. I thought I had lost my mind. I was, you know, pretty much homebound, rarely went out and was in such a bad state. Like, you know, I kind of had to reach that surrender. You know, I, I, I knew I couldn't, you know. So, yeah, that's all I got on that. Sorry. All right. Uh, when did you finally admit, James, that you were powerless over alcohol? Was that um, before coming into the program? Well, a lot of you know that I um, was in and out of the program for years, and I admitted I was powerless over alcohol and drugs many times. But the craving was strong enough to convince me otherwise. Uh, the demons in my head uh, pulled me right back into my addiction because I knew that I didn't know at the time that what I needed was the higher power to rely on during those times. Um, I finally 
admitted I was powerless over alcohol when basically when I had um, this spiritual experience where um, like a light switch was turned on and I could see this whole new side of life that had been blocked off because of the drugs and alcohol. And I, I, I crashed so hard and so far from you know, the life I was meant to lead. I was just in this deep, dark, depressive hole that when I crashed, you know, it only took, uh, it seemed like an, an instant where like I could see everything for what it was, what I've done. And at that point I knew in my heart of hearts that I could not drink and do drugs in safety ever again. And it's been, a, that was a little over two and a half years ago, and I've just been building on that foundation since. Yeah. I, I think it takes, um, to, what do we say? Time takes time, you know? And, you know, some people uh, come in, some newcomers, even in our home group, are in their late 50s, early 60s. There was a guy uh, in my original home group that uh, would always say that he was 62 when he came into the program the first time because of an intervention that his family had against him. I feel like interventions maybe uh, happen less now. I don't know. I, I just get a sense that outside of the TV show, that uh, intervention, I feel like, I don't know. I don't I, know the I, success we rate. We don't hear I about think, them. Yeah, I think they're a, a little less former, formal or formal, mm-hmm. but... Uh, it happens individually with like a wife and a husband or a child and a parent or a, a significant other and stuff yeah. where it's that confrontation like look something's wrong so those are usually private and we don't hear about them all the formal everyone sit around with a moderator and like that's probably a little less common than the television show yeah yeah a, a question that my first sponsor brought up to me and i want to toss this your way dennis Okay. is the difference between powerlessness and helplessness. Ooh. I don't know. Maybe you can enlighten me on that one. I guess uh, without thinking about it beforehand, I would, I would think helplessness to me is that feeling that I can't do anything, that, that I am helpless. Like the state that I'm in is the state I'm always going to be in. If it's miserable or whatever, I do not have confidence or self-esteem or belief in doing this like i'm just a lost cause and i'm always going to be in the dredges of life um and then powerlessness is not having that power it's not necessarily that you feel that way or believe that way but it is it's it's like you know when James earlier talked about, and I think you touched on it a little bit, when we're sitting at the bar or whatever, and we're like, I'm not going to drink tonight, or I'm only going to have that two things. Like, we truly believe that we can do that. We're not helpless at it. But then that craving starts, that temptation comes in, and, and then that power, the power to be able to stick to our convictions or, or what we truly want is absent. So maybe that's the difference. Yeah, what do you think, James? And there's no right or wrong answer, by the way. Uh, No pressure. Sure, sure. Powerlessness um, is, again, you know, I am powerless over drugs and alcohol. I am powerless over drugs and alcohol. That's a fact. However, I have a higher power in my life. That will guide me in the right direction as long as I stay close to him. So that part is covered. I just need to keep doing the next right thing. Helplessness, helplessness 
Is that what the word? Helplessness. Helplessness. <laughs> that is um something that um I find is is a rarity for me because I go to meetings all the time and I've got I surround myself with loving individuals who are like minded. And if I ever have issues or problems, you know, I can find help. I know where to look for help. So um, I don't know if that answers the question. I know that when I'm doing the right thing, I'm not looking for, I'm not helplessnessness. Helplessnessness. <laughs> <laughs> Why can't I say that? Yeah, I, I A think. A lot of isses. <laughs> <laughs> I think before I came into the, uh, the rooms of Alcoholics Anonymous and started on my 90 and 90, which uh, I know is something that. I think in a couple episodes ago, Dennis brought up how beneficial a 90 and 90 was because then it's almost like magic after even, you know, 30 days. If you're going to the same meetings, people are seeing that you're actually in it. You know, if you're yeah, not talking down upon somebody that just goes to meetings because they need their paperwork signed for the courts. But if you're there just because you actually know that uh, you're seeing a change in yourself or people are telling you. The difference of helplessness is if you're just not going to meetings or sitting on the outskirts and maybe going to meetings but not sharing and, and uh, being a part of it, uh, that's, you're all alone. You're helpless. You know, If you're on Lonely Island, it's, it's going to be tough. But if you have the rooms of AA and if you don't have spirituality, if you make the you know, uh, group of drunks your God, that's usually how I relieved a lot of the issues that I had and finding powerlessness of a higher power of my understanding uh, really helped by just going to meetings, participating in meetings, doing something I didn't want to do. Uh, I make reference to the movie with Jim Carrey, Yes Man, oh, which yeah. which was, I mean, it was a, if you don't like Jim Carrey, you're probably not going to like the movie. He it was, was a funny movie. He was though, very Jim Carrey, but the whole point was the stuff that he would usually say no to, which for alcoholics is anything you, like, if you're really in it, if you're in it, you're usually not wanting to participate in anything uh, towards the end. Isolation. Yeah. Yeah, you want to isolate. And if you do the opposite, so if you just, fine, I'll go to a meeting, but instead of talking to anybody, which you wouldn't want to do, you talk to one other person, the chances of them to extend their hand and maybe say, oh, have you met my friend James? Have you met my friend Dennis? They're common names. Um, I would imagine that that would kind of break that down and you wouldn't yeah. feel as helpless. I want to I touch on like the whole yes men thing. I think that because I've thought about that movie in relation to recovery before where like before like you said i would say no to things like even like when james asked me to do something my natural instinct for whatever reason is like no i can't do it like before we started this podcast when we got to the studio james is like oh after we do this do you want to go do this and my instinct is like no 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 and that's one thing when i came into recovery one of the early things that i hear is like you know 90 percent of life is just showing up and I, and I have to remind myself that when opportunities come up, when people need help, when need, AA needs me to do something or whatever, I have to remember that I need to say yes. But in doing that, my life becomes much fuller. And, and it, it, 
it's almost part of that like surrender is like I don't have the power to get up and force myself to go do this task that needs to be done or socialize with people or whatever. But when I turn it over, that powerlessness is not in my control anymore. And my life becomes fuller because of that. I get more opportunities. I show up. I do the best I can. I try not to worry if I'm good or bad at what I'm doing. And it, and it uh, it's all from doing that. It's, it's, it's surrendering to the yes, the mighty yes. James, you ready? Indeed. Going to toss a curveball your way. You got the bat? I look for the blessings that people give me. All right. So now I don't know how to respond to that. Uh, <laughs> what do you now have control over? I have control over a lot. I have a control over the right way I treat people. I have control over um, my reactions or the way I respond to people or situations. Whereas before, if I was drunk or on something anything if anyone would say anything negative to me or something that wasn't true I would just blurt out mean horrible things and uh, I have control over uh, what I do with my life today I control over I have control over making my bed in the morning being nice to my wife um, being integral with my words Um, I'm trying to uh, not make assumptions today Um, I also have control over just doing the best I possibly can each day. Those are some of the things I do have control over, Mike. Thanks, James. Same question to you, Dennis. Thank you, Mike. Imagine the podcast is <laughs> like that. Nobody would listen. I would even Mike. unsubscribe. <laughs> Mike. Mike, pass the mic. Um, I, think, I think James touched on a lot of it. I think the biggest thing that's different now than before that I have control over is I have my control over my reactions to things. You know, I can't control people, places, or things, or like situations, or how people are going to treat me or act, but I can control how I decide to react to it. Instead of flipping out on someone or anything like that, if I'm going through something, I can talk to friends about it, I can process it, and I can like not allow my initial reaction to like spread out to everyone else you know um i have control over you know i think my actions you know what i'm saying i have control if i wake up in the morning if i go to that meeting if i just if i have an appointment that i need to make do i show up you know and i i think that's it i have control over me and that's and that's about it i have no control over any other situation I'd like to add that um, I'm working on not taking anything personally. That's something I can control too because I take a lot of things personal, especially from the outside world. And if you don't take things personally, it makes things so much easier. Maybe you can teach me that. One day, Dennis. (laughs) One day. (laughs) I want to be a Jedi Master just like you. (laughs) I I think it's important to to actually know that. Like like the... um, you know, if you're not uh, not feeling good or uh, anything else, see see what you're uh, struggling with, and if it's something you, that's out of your control, what somebody else is doing, uh, you know, a lot of that uh, irritability I know for me uh, comes from that. You know, and I have to just accept 
that uh, where I am today, if it's something that I can change, I can change it. I mean, what's the serenity prayer really lets us know that if we uh, accept everything that we, we can't change, change what we can and know the difference, that knowing of the difference takes time. You know, you're, you're not going to get it at first, which is why a good suggestion is uh, if it's super personal stuff, bring it up with your sponsor um, or your immediate fellowship. And if it's something uh, that you want more opinions on and your sponsor and your fellowship go, oh, yeah, you know, uh, raise your hand at a meeting, you know, toss it out depending on uh, what they're doing. If it's a meeting that deals with topics like Obi-Wan Kenobi. Right. Yep. Just like him. Sure. <laughs> I want to toss one thing, uh, one more thing your way, and then we'll wrap up. Uh, as far as when is uh, willpower good and when is willpower bad? We're talking about powerlessness. Okay. Yeah. I'll start with, start with you, Dennis. And then I, so, James, think about that. I think for me, like, you know, in the book it touches on, you know, the proper use of the will, and that's when we're – basically helping others doing God's work and stuff like that I think for me personally I have to like assess my motivation for what I'm doing if like what I want and what I'm like trying to exert my will for who does it benefit you know it's kind of like the old saying like if you got all your wishes that you have ever wanted would you be the only one that benefits from that you know so it's like if James asked me to go do something, is my only motivation so I can go home and sleep and, and mope or whatever? With a proper use of that will is like, well, my friend wants to hang out with me and go do something, so I should probably do that. I haven't committed to it yet, though. But, uh, but I, think that, I think that's it. I think like when my, my will is in line with my higher power is when I'm helping people, being of service to people, uh, acting out of kindness and love and consideration of others. If I'm out to do something and the only thing is and my only motivation is because I want it, then there's something off because I'm not in this world alone. I'm not in anything that I do do, even if it's completely selfish, it's going to affect other people. So I have to be conscious with that. You know? Yeah. James? Um, all right. I, I like what Dennis said. Basically... You know, my day consists of trying to get out of my own self and helping others, you know, and that is far from what I do, but I try. Um, I say a prayer every morning, you know, thy will be done, not mine. That means I would like to do everything that God would want me to do. And my God wants me to be out of myself helping others always. And one of the tricks I've learned is to do things that I don't want to do when I know I'm supposed to do them and do things that I don't want to do, especially when I don't want to do them. When I break through that and I do those things, I always feel better. Um, I've been praying for a giving heart because my whole life I've been me, 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 not enough, not enough. I'll be better when I get there. But I don't know if I'm answering your question. My proper use of the will. Yeah. Thank you, Dennis. You're welcome. The proper use of the will is to 
give freely what was given to me. And that means helping others and getting out of my own selfish needs. Yeah, I think I think um man, willpower really made me made me angry before I came in to uh AA because I didn't have that higher power at all. And whenever I if I would be on a diet, I could cut weight, I could do it. If I uh, wanted to uh, stay away from some bad habits, I would do that. You know, I always, um, I guess I d- didn't enjoy people that say they were dating somebody and then they broke up and then they got back together with them. I would be like, no, like if you're not happy with it. And I, I never had a problem with that, but I couldn't do it with alcohol, you know. And uh, so when I came into AA, I looked at it like, uh, willpower is garbage when it comes to trying to stay away from a drink or a drug. You know, like I know for me, it has nothing to do with willpower because I couldn't, yeah. I, I couldn't do it. It was, I don't know about like you guys, but like there's many other things in life that I could, if I said I wasn't going to do it, I, I wouldn't do it. But when it came to a drink or a drug, it was inevitable. You know, I did three weeks dry uh, before coming into AA. And that's why I, I'm grateful, I think, for that three weeks and then the going back out and drinking um, for two and a half years. Because if I didn't have that three weeks, I wouldn't know. I don't think I would have stuck it out, you know? Like I would. And like I'm grateful for you, James, of, you know, going to meetings and doing all that stuff. And then. Uh, it just, it kind of blows me away how God works of showing us different things like me having the three weeks, but then also you having the time and going and, and going through treatment and stuff and then it not, uh, taking, I guess the first time. So then I saw, okay, this thing can actually not work if you don't work it. Like you ha- you can't just show up because then I would just show up, you know? Like I would say, okay, I went to a meeting, you know, once every other week and then, oh, it didn't work. And if it wasn't for you sharing your story and other people that have the same thing, I would think that that's how it works and it's all, I should be happy. You know, I know my willpower isn't, uh, isn't going to cut it. So I, I honestly, um, when it comes to drinking and drugging, I don't, don't let willpower in at all, you know. Um, I guess that's my answer of the, the topic, but let's put a bow on it. Anything else you guys want to touch on powerlessness before we say goodbye? Goodbye. You, okay. That means no, <laughs> I, I do love it. So, uh, we will be back next week here on the defective characters podcast. Uh, this episode 18, we're almost at 20 guys. Wow. Huh? Milestone. Let's yeah. throw another party when we hit 20. Yeah. All right. What I'll bring holi- the pie. What holiday's coming up? Is it, uh, I get, well, I guess Valentine's day, right? Oh, <laughs> I guess. Will you be my Valentine? We got to do one about sponsorship. Cause when yeah. I went to ask for a sponsor, it was like asking someone to be my Valentine. Uh, oh, do you, you guys want to do that next week? Sure. Okay. So, yeah, are you good with that? Chocolate. All right. So, sponsorship. We just figured it out. Is uh, is going to be next week. We'll be back next Thursday. You sharing do that for now on. Like, 
Oh yeah, just week. figure so it out. Know what they're gonna yeah, be. Do you yeah, know what that we, takes? We, we can pre- pretend that we're that plan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, sure. yeah. Even if you're listening right now and you're like, oh, seven days, they're gonna do that. There might be a speaker. Who right. knows? It's been like uh, three weeks or four <laughs> weeks, and we still have a Christmas tree. Yeah. We, we got to figure that out. Uh, oh, but there is a way that you can contact us if you're listening and have a topic or uh, know of a speaker in the celebration area and want to reach out to us. Uh, there's a way to do that. Dennis, how can they? Uh, yeah, actually, we have a Twitter page now. Or, so you can find us at at the underscore characters on Twitter. And we will get back to and you. And one more time, the easy way to find us? At the underscore characters. How do you spell underscore? <laughs> I was just going to say that. I think it's just, it's just the it's the, just the bottom underline, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. So that's it's an underscore. Most people know what an underscore is. Well, well now they do. Now they definitely do. Uh, we'll be back next Thursday sharing our experience, strength, and hope with you on episode 19 of the Defective Characters Podcast, which I guess we're going to be talking about sponsorship. And, maybe. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> Don't quote us on it. Entirely ready to have all these character defects removed. Remember to let go and let God. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. James, move the tree. <laughs>